to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Sunday and welcome back to another episode of the Embody Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it if you dropped a five-star rating or a written review and just let me know what you are loving about the show and what you want to hear more of. Those ratings and reviews help get the show into more ears and more souls across the world, so I would really, really appreciate it. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to hit on a few housekeeping items. I have a workshop this coming Tuesday, January 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The workshop will be hosted in the Transformation Collective that I am hosting and a part of along with my best friends Jessica DePotzi and Jennifer McMaster. I will be giving a workshop on the peaks and valleys of the transformation process and looking at the archetypal perspective of transformation, navigating the ups and the downs and how to approach that given the archetypal polarity of transformation. So if you are wanting to head to that workshop just jen and i have opened the workshops to offer drop-ins so you can come for just one workshop rather than the subscription that includes three workshops a month so if you want to come to my workshop on tuesday on the peaks and valleys of transformation just head to the link in the show notes and you can find the drop-in link there and you can with that drop-in link you'll have access to the Zoom link with that. I hope to see you guys on Tuesday evening. The other thing that I wanted to address was how I am going to approach today's episode. So I was working with a client and we were getting close to what you would call in the depth or Jungian space a complex. And in that complex is all of the held archetypal material that is associated with certain forms of traumatic experience and that material can be somewhat overwhelming to the system and we were getting close to the complex material and there was just this kind of opening of fear, anxiety, panic, anger, even at me for guiding us closer to the core of what we're working with. And it was interesting because the spontaneous image came forward of, I don't know if you guys are Harry Potter fans out there, but in the first Harry Potter movie, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, there is a three-headed dog named Fluffy. And Fluffy is guarding a trap door that allows access to where the, the alchemical philosopher's stone is hidden somewhere in the castle. And it was very interesting because spontaneously that image of the three-headed dog came forward that day when I was working with my client and 
I was thinking, oh, this is what it's like when we get close to the core of the archetypal material that's in a specific complex. She invited me to do a podcast episode on the mythological symbolism or just chatting more about what this is like. So this episode is dedicated to her um, and her, her courageous bravery for you know, working through that content because it can be very activating. And so in this podcast, I will first offer you an audio clip to let you guys know what part or to give you guys a little bit of a sneak preview if you've never seen Harry Potter before. And then after that clip, I will go into the mythological or psychological significance of what the three-headed dog really can symbolize when we're moving closer to a descent into the lower realms of psyche where some of this archetypal content can be hidden so enjoy the clip and enjoy the show and if you guys have any feedback like i said before the best way to interact with the podcast episodes and to get more clarification and ask questions is to join my free mighty networks community so there will be a link to sign up for that it's completely free and I post the podcast there every week so there's a comment section that you can engage with that there without further ado enjoy the show it was locked and for good reason So I hope that you enjoyed that little clip from the Harry Potter movie. And so we're going to just circle around some things that I feel are pretty significant when we're looking at specific images. This image from Harry Potter, the three-headed dog, that spontaneously entered my psyche when I was working with my client. So we want to honor these things that spontaneously appear, these images that spontaneously come forward, not as nonsense, but perhaps psyche showing itself through myth. And the importance of understanding specific myths, specific images associated with myth, is that these mythological stories are able to allow us to give shape, give meaning, and give direction to our lives. Something that my professor said that I found very fascinating is that when we're listening with a metaphorical ear, 
to the reverberation of these images that spontaneously come forward, we're able to hear their psychological resonance. So this image of the three-headed dog, it wasn't just nonsense. There's something in that image that can be very meaningful if we can unpack it. And that's the importance of myth is understanding the deep patterns that are unfolding within psyche or within the psychological process itself. And the one thing that we want to keep in mind when we're exploring myths, because the Harry Potter movies are so just washed over with so many different mythologies and different stories that these myths are not true on the outside like three-headed dogs are not true on the outside but that doesn't diminish the truth on the inside they can be true and false at the same time and that's why we're looking at these images not as literally true but as metaphorically and symbolically resonant and so this image of the three-headed dog that Harry and his friends bump into, it's significant if we look at the image in context that the dog is guarding something, as Hermione said. It's guarding the trap door, which eventually is going to take them to the lower parts of the castle that within that the Philosopher's Stone is held. What is the Philosopher's Stone? Well, I put out two podcasts on the Negredo and the Albedo phases of alchemy. And in those podcasts, I don't go into the Rubedo, which is the reddening and coming into the Philosopher's Stone, because I haven't written about that or explored that enough yet. But if you listen to those two podcasts, you can see that those those two aspects of the alchemical process are helping us move through into coming into contact with the psychological philosopher's stone the negredo process the process of confronting the the shadow and the albedo the way that we see is starting to shift that's all going into the process of the philosopher's stone so it's really interesting that this three-headed dog is the gatekeeper to finding the philosopher's stone looking at the image of the three-headed dog in greek mythology cerberus I think I'm pronouncing that right, is technically said to be the multi-headed dog that guards the gates of the underworld of Hades and prevents the dead from leaving. So again, if we're looking at this mythological image to give us direction and shape around our psychological process, well, perhaps when we're coming into contact with our own inner three-headed dog we are going we are coming into contact with that which is protecting all of the parts of ourselves that have been held in a deadened place in the underworld psyche and often when trauma happens parts of our psyche split so that we're not completely ontologically disoriented And so some parts split off and go into hiding and they go into places of the psyche where they will be protected. And to get back to them, you have to go through these three-headed dogs. So we're, we're meeting often these parts of that are split off and 
kind of pushed out of our conscious awareness in trauma are often associated with the aspects of ourselves that are connected to a feeling of innocence, of aliveness, of connection to the body. And so if this dog is mythologically designed to prevent the dead from leaving, perhaps it is a wonderful protector in that threshold of going down into the underworld to discover and not to reclaim for our personal sense, but to to start to see what is in the totality of psyche. And we want to hold on to the underworld as not what is typically associated with the underworld in traditional Judeo-Christian belief systems. It's not this place, this hellish place of fire and brimstone and torture, but perhaps a lower, hidden, invisible realm that isn't directly accessible to the day world type of consciousness that we typically exist in. And so I've marked off a few quotes in The Dream in the Underworld by Hellman, and I want to read those for you guys to just circle around and give context to the underworld. So Hillman says on page 39, the Egyptians had carried into extreme detail this reversed world from below our feet, so the underworld. The dead walked upside down, feet up and heads down. People there walk with their feet against the ceiling. This has the unpleasant consequence that digestion goes in the reverse direction so that excrements arrive in the mouth. The underworld is converse to the day world and so its, its behavior will be averse and perverse. What is merely shit from the daytime perspective becomes soul food when turned upside down. The way we go about there, the way we ruminate, even logic is stood on its head. For there, our heads are in another place. He goes on to say in the next page, Because the underworld differs so radically from the underground, that which has its home there, dreams must refer to psychic or pneumatic world of ghosts, spirits, ancestors, souls, and daemons. These are invisible by nature, and not merely invisible because they have been forgotten or repressed. It's because this world is fluid or dusty or muddy or ethereal, so there is nothing firm to hold on to unless we develop intuitive instruments for seizing impalpables that slip through our fingers or burn at the touch. They present images of being rather than becoming. Addressing that the underworld isn't a place that is concerned about making us feel better psychologically or making the personal identity feel more put together the underworld is actually a place where we feel a little bit disoriented and pulled apart hillman says that a psychotherapy that reflects these depths can therefore make no attempt at achieving undivided individuality or encouraging a personal identity as a unified wholeness Instead, psychotherapeutic emphasis will be upon the disintegrative effects in the underworld, which also confronts us with our moral disintegrity, our psychopathic lack of a central hold on ourselves. Only by falling apart into multiple figures do we extend consciousness to embrace and contain its psychopathic potentials. I really like how Hillman talks about disintegration and disorientation because it really shakes up the ego's regular orientation to the world and typically when we are possessed by these 
unconscious complexes in our psyche, it isn't until we go into the core of them that we start to feel mildly disintegrated. The complex has a really good way of kind of putting blindfolds over us and to, you know, make us think that, well, that's just who I am. And then if we can have a way of seeing through the complex, we can see that there's actually way more at the core of that. And that which we are clinging to is probably something that's trying to protect our quote unquote day world consciousness so that the ego doesn't have to go through the death it doesn't have to descend into the underworld. On page 46, Hillman says, to put more bluntly, underworld is psyche. When we use the word underworld, we are referring to a wholly psychic perspective where one's entire mode of being has been desubstantialized, killed of natural life, and yet is in every shape and sense and size the exact replica of natural life. Being in the underworld means psychic being, being psychological, where soul comes first. Underworld fantasies and anxieties are transposed descriptions of psychic existence. Underworld images are ontological statements about the soul and how it exists in and for itself beyond life. I think that that is just such an apt description of the underworld. And so it makes sense that there are guards to protect the underworld process it's interesting because i think it does this three-headed dog image serves a dual role right it's protecting the deadened parts of psyche from coming back into consciousness but also i think that there's a role here in the soul making process of coming into terms with soul that the three-headed dog is actually protecting the underworld is protecting the threshold into those places of of our psyche that require respect i said in one of my papers that i had read to you guys that often when we're going through the negredo and the darkness and the disintegration of the psychological process it's not the time for heroics it's not the time for conquering these parts of the psyche that actually have deep direction and meaning towards the totality of things and if we are able to see this three-headed dog serving in that purpose We don't have to look at it as if it's something that we need to necessarily conquer because it serves a really potent function. And it's interesting in the Harry Potter movie, and this is true throughout different myths, in the Harry Potter movie, its name is Fluffy, right? Fluffy the three-headed dog is said to be tamed by playing music. And it's interesting to me that Hermes has an association with music. So Hermes was able to bypass and go through Argus, which was a thousand-eyed monster, by putting him to sleep with music. It's interesting because I feel like the music here is the way that we approach the three-headed dog. So if our approach to the psychological process becomes too logical, it becomes the three-headed dog who threatens to destroy that nuanced approach to psyche so we're not the music is inaccessible but if we're able to tend to that 
different way of seeing these images, we're tending to the soul. And if we can put the three-headed dog to sleep by amplifying this music of the soul, the underworld, we see the soul for what it's offering. We can get to the roots of our our one-sided perspective of the way that we approach our struggles in the day world. In a book called Pagan Grace, the author Paris said that the hermetic technique is inventive, it's intuitive, it's non-critical, and there's plenty of room play. That's actually my goal with my clients is to amplify this hermetic way, this way of moving through the psychological process and pulling into that hermetic way of seeing so that we're playing the chords of the hermetic tune that are associated with this underworld gatekeeper. We can can then create bridges that allow us to descend into the underworld way of seeing and being and bring that up into the upper world so that the way we see our complexes isn't so one-sided. And so it's really important to, again, like another image that we're kind of circling around here and bringing up is Hermes. And if any of you are familiar with the Persephone myth, Hermes was the one that descended down into the underworld and confronted Hades and asked Hades if Persephone could come back up into the upper world. So the queen of the underworld, if she could come back up. And so that's allowing this kind of soul image associated with our feminine that's of the deep nature of our being, if Hermes is assisting in bringing that up back into the day world, that affects so many different aspects of our day world, upper world consciousness. And so it's just by this one image when I'm working with a client, there's so much to this. We have the three-headed dog. We have the threshold and the trap door into the underworld. We have Hades who is beyond the protection of the three-headed dog Cerberus. Hades is the king of the underworld, contributes to the invisible nature of that underworld space. We have Hermes, and then we also have the association with music and how we attend to these things when they come up. And so working with my client, you know, when the three-headed dog started to emerge, the panic, the anxiety, the anger, everything that was like coming out like super, super fast. It was like that clip of where the dog just starts to attack. And it was very important in the way that that material was approached and recognizing like, oh, this is a normal part of the process when we're going through the threshold into the underworld. And so I hope this podcast maybe sparked some things about when you are going through different parts of your psychological process, different images that come up, different experiences that come up. And the main thing here is to see through these stories, again, as not true on the outside, but somewhere deep inside, they feel resonant. They're metaphorically and symbolically true about how we all have this three-headed dog within us and how does that show up when we're getting close to a descent into the underworld. Again, just to repeat, I will be giving a workshop on Tuesday this week, January 25th, on the peaks and valleys of transformation. So if you're interested in joining me for that, you can find the link to that in the show notes. Otherwise, I hope you guys have a great week and we will chat on Thursday. Bye guys.